okay guys we're back we're here we're not back we're back i guess from last week but um we were been in and out this morning with tech issues so i'm glad to have you guys here my name is dr charnel wolverton Sihan, this is the truth matters and uh on these weekly meetings we discuss a lot of different things um on purpose that are a little bit out of the box and maybe not even everything that we agree with but on purpose we talked about a lot of different things from a lot of different people to just expand our minds to have those conversations across the table and um not be afraid to talk about things without feeling offended and touchy and weird and um anyway i'm really excited today to have barbara back with us she was on with us uh two weeks ago regarding metaphors in the bible and today we're going to talk about equinox which is kind of an interesting um thing to discuss as well as we are in the middle of it starting tomorrow uh no the day after starts the 23rd so um really really excited about that before we get started i do want to remind everybody there's a lot of different sales going on because it was my birthday a couple weekdays ago and we're yeah, still yes um and so definitely go to the website drchornell.com and get on the newsletter too because then you can find out all the upcoming shows and different things we're doing different specials we have um right now i'm doing some specials on biofeedback uh, if you're looking to get some support there please do go to drchornell.com also craig welcome back to the show he's my co-host and really excited to see you how are you doing craig yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. It's, it's actually been a while. I mean, we're, we're all so busy at the moment. It's it's a bit crazy. But just to add to what you were saying before about, um, you know, and this doesn't reflect on Barbara in any way, you know, sometimes we have people on because um, they have a different perspective to us or, you know, we may not necessarily agree. And just because we may not necessarily agree doesn't mean we're right, they're wrong. We, we like to expand our minds and think outside the box. That's what this is all about. So... And uh, like I say, Barbara, I love your posts. I love what you bring. And the last show was was fantastic. We had such a good response. Um, and I think I said at the time, my parents were messaging me whilst we're doing it, like, this is awesome. So, uh, <laughs> your parents? My parents, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good to be back. Awesome. <clears throat> also, want to remind everybody that we have our members meeting this Sunday. Um, this lady that's coming is Ashley Moore. I literally met her on the street of Jackson Street in New Orleans. And I'm always really leery about getting prophetic readings from anyone because anyone online that I would ever try to talk to obviously can Google me and there's all my stuff and people can just piggyback on that. This lady did not even ask me my name. I sat down and she just started telling me my entire life. She also um, ministered to both of my daughters and several of my friends now with exact, distinct specifics that were blowing me away, like Bob Jones level, like Kim Clement level, like freak me out level. And again, never even asked my name, just met her in the street. So I'm having her come on. She's going to minister to people one-on-one uh, -on -one. and I mean literally she I, I don't I, there's not a lot of people I've met that walk in the gift that she carries it is strangely unique and uh, and I've went around a lot of people in the prophetic you know groups of people so you guys don't want to miss that um, but that'll be noon on this Sunday so definitely uh, mark your calendars for that but anyway let's talk about Equinox what the heck what is equinox? <laughs> you know, you said you wanted to talk about the procession of equinox. Equinox, um, dude, let's go. Like, just jump right in. Craig, did you, get a, did you get a chance to watch that video by chance? Either one of you about the great I, year. I started it. Yep, yeah, um, the great year. I mean, I'd heard about that previously. Um, yeah, like I say, but um, it, it's something that I'd. Um, yeah, I think it was David Wilcock, actually, um, that I read in one of In fact, I mentioned that to you, didn't I? Uh, one of his books, uh, The Synchronicity Key, talks about the great year. But I'd love to hear what you've got on it. And, and um, yeah, please, please take the stage. Is it okay if I read from you a, a little portion of the book? Absolutely. And um, this is 
this guy, Walter Cruttenden, um, he does a conference once a year um, called the Conference on, on Procession. And we're going in October uh, to, to hear the latest updates. This is what he says just in a, a few sentences. When mankind forgets knowledge, it loses perspective. In this case, by failing to understand the great cycle or the great year and our connection to the stars, we have not only lost our history, we have literally lost our way in time. Mm. So he talks about three celestial movements. And first of all, we know that the, the earth spins around in a 24 hour cycle and that's our night and day. We also know that our sun travels around, uh, I'm sorry, our earth travels around the sun and it takes 365 days. And in that year, we have um, summer and winter and the, the spaces in between spring and fall. And so if you look at what um, our day and our night, it's a time when we are vibrant and alert and walking and living and moving. And then there's a time when we're asleep. In the same way, in the in the year, our 365-day year, we have seasons where it's vibrant and things are alive and they blossomed and they bloomed. And then we have a time of, of getting quiet, where nature gets quiet and the leaves begin to drop and we go into winter. Um, in the same way, they're talking about a cycle that we're involved in called the great year. Um, but before that, I just wanted to show you guys, um, I got this out of my kids, my grandkids' toy box. <laughs> but our Earth, it's, it's, it's tilted on its axis. And um, for whatever reason, this is called precession. And it's when our Earth spins and it, and it, when it, when the axis points to a particular constellation in the night, they noticed something profound. And this in Barb speak, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist or anything close to it, but let's just say that we were in Washington DC 6,000 years ago and we were facing due east and there was a constellation, the sky at that point was Taurus, okay? It was actually the passing of Taurus. Okay, now 4,000 years later, we're in Washington, D.C., and we're facing due east, but now Aries is in focus. Okay, so it's kind of shifted backwards, and that's why it's called procession, because it's a movement backwards through the constellations. Then 2,000 years later, we're standing in Washington, D.C., and we're looking due east, and now it's Pisces. Okay, then 2,000 years later, we're, we're facing due east, and now um, Aquarius is in view. So now we shift, and we go through the constellations, which is how we get our earth signs. But what they're talking about is, oops, did you lose me? There I am. Did you lose okay. me? We got you. We got you. Okay. So, I mean, the constellations go, go past us all the time. There's a band of constellations around our uh, solar system, and they're the prominent constellations. It's the path that the sun takes, and so these constellations are what make up our zodiac. So what they notice that every 2,000 years, even though we have this continual spinning and we have our birth signs because we're born or Scorpio or Sagittarius or whatever it is, but they notice that on the on the equinox either the spring or the equinox standing in a certain place and looking up that each year or each every so often they would notice that the stars constellations were moving backwards in a very slow motion and the ancients knew about this they charted it they even came up with a reason why they would see this backward motion, this procession uh, during the equinox of the constellations. And they called it the, the uh, lunisolar wobble. 
And this is this is not woo. This is science. This is astronomy. And you can, you know, you and your readers or your followers, listeners can look it up. And um, but the math doesn't prove out their theory that it's they're saying that the Earth wobbling is what is pointing to these different constellations. That this very slow wobble of the Earth is doing it. But there's a there's a second theory. Again, the the loony solar wobble theory cannot be proved out by math accurately. And down throughout the the last few centuries, they've tried to explain it, and they can't. They don't understand what's happening. And this is where the great year comes into focus. What they're saying is that our sun has a mate as a dual, as a binary partner. <laughs> when I first started, um, when I watched the video, when I started reading the book back in, I think it was 2003, back then, um, binary companions to stars was unusual. It was something that was just emergent. They were beginning to understand um, that some stars are in an elliptical orbit with another star. And so I was talking about this then in 2010, and my grandson came to hear what I was talking about. And I said that statement that the the um, that it's not real common to have a binary partner. And raised his hand and said, you know, wait a minute, Grandma. In my astronomy class today, they're teaching that it is more common to have binary, trinary, and even more stars that are in gravitational relationships with other stars. So the cool thing is, is that in this relationship, if this is what's happening and the math is beginning to prove it out, it's just that it takes a long time to complete this cycle in this ellipsis around this other star. It takes 24,000 years. <laughs> And during that time, we have day and night. Right. We have the golden ages where we are immortal. And then we slowly slide down into corruption, into where lifelines average about 23 years during the dark ages. So you go from immortal to um, down through the Silver Ages, and you've got people recorded as living, you know, Methuselah 969 years, and Adam living 950 or 40 or something like that, down to where they live just an average of 23 years. And so now we're on the upswing, uh, coming back up towards the, um, the merging with this other star, and we're becoming more enlightened again. So when you look at <clears throat> when you look at the symbol of uh, baptism, we can understand that we, as a culture, as a society, as a planet, are undergoing a baptism into darkness. And this is what the Bible refers to as the place of um, weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer mm -hmm. darkness. If I can just draw this circle, let me see if I can. So in this ellipsis, the, the dark ages, we are this far apart from one another, and that's the dark ages. But then we begin to draw this ellipsis where we go through, and you can see this right there. That's the Vesca Pisces with the symbol of the fish, and that's the place for union. It's the place where we are immortal. So during the time we're in this this place of ellipsis and moving away from our dual mate, lover, star, is when we have lower intellect, we have lower intuition, and we are basically in survival mode in the in the dark ages. So you have a, any questions real quick that I can answer before I carry on? It's sort of like the eternity thing too, right? Exactly. Cool. It's the symbol. It's the it's the universal symbol 
of marriage, these two rings that come together. Yeah. And, and that's because we have a mate and they are speculating that it is the star Sirius. So, so someone might say, well, why can't we see it in the, in the, in the sky? And um, why doesn't it look like our sun? Well, right now it's very, very, very far away, but it's the bright star in the sky. And the closer that we get, the more in tune with our spiritual side we become. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, people think, and we all do this. The other day, someone sent me a, a, a photograph of a carving in an Indian temple. And the carving in the Indian temple is 6,000 years old. And it's a picture of a sperm and egg. Well, the first thing, we're just shocked because we think that linearly, they were really, really dumb back then and we're <laughs> really, really smart now. But if there is a cycle of high culture and low culture, then these people had information, much of which was burned at the, at the Library of Alexandria. And they had information that we have some, um, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they all spoke of a binary uh, mate to our son, all of them. And other writers spoke of this. So we've lost a lot of information because we've just gone through the dark ages. You know, it wasn't several hundred years ago that we were in, in the pit and just look at how far we've come in the last 120 years. Right. It is staggering. And it's staggering to know where we're going. And one of the things that shows like this do is they expose the audience to the possibilities. And people are able to begin to intuit and they resonate with something rather than poo-pooing something because they just don't understand. They're exposed to new ideas and they begin to wonder and they begin to ask questions. And as you know, the old axiom, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so when we're ready for this information, it's out there and it's available to us to look at and to begin to wonder and to understand this great cycle of time. It's profound. It's something that I think about all the time. And I get excited because I'm beginning to understand that we're participants in this marriage between the masculine and the feminine stars. We, you know, this is what the great marriage is all about. This is what union. So, you know, the old saying, um, as above, so below, as below, so above. <coughs> we express this in our humanity with a mate. You know, and it doesn't have anything to do with male and female. It has everything to do with masculine and feminine. And so these stars are both, um, one is masculine and one is feminine. And during that Vesca Pisces, <coughs> Okay, I'm just going to say this, and this is something that has to be intuited as well. We've gone through this cycle of the great year many, many, many times. And in that Vesca Pisces, you know, that's the cosmic vagina, okay? Symbolically speaking, it is where humanity is seated. And it's the birth portal where the God men come out. This 24,000 year cycle is where humanity is in training to become co-creators of reality. And they experience the high culture and the low culture, everything in between, and then the ascension process on the way back up. And we've experienced it many, 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 many times. And the universe has been seated likewise with God-men, with co-creators of reality. 
I'm just having my mind blown. Just uh, <laughs> this is brilliant. This is really good stuff. I'm, I'm just processing it. This is really, really powerful stuff. So, I mean, we, we've spoken a lot about uh, on the show, you know, kind of uh, astrology, ta um, you know, astrologers on and things like this. But this is like it's like another level um, of, of that. Because obviously, I mean, both Sean and I, we've spoken, you know, 2016 was a pivotal year for both of us. Uh, separately, we didn't know each other at that time or, or that we were aware of. Um, and, and in 2016, we both had like a spontaneous, just like a, a, a switch was flicked, a light went on. Um, some people, 2012, um, but it seems to be in the last decade, many, many, mm -hmm. many people have just been switched on. Like something has shifted across well all of humanity that you know some people are resisting it yeah sure some people are, are are just going with with what's happening and and do you think that this is a consequence of what's happening in the greater cosmic scene yes remember last week when i said we can't get this wrong yep the, the bible says who can who can find um orion who can stop the movement of the constellations nobody can but he can so this great cycle we are going through and this great cycle involves high culture low culture everything in between we're past the the iron age the um the kali yuga and we are on our way back up into enlightenment and we can't stop it and we can't get this wrong you know religion keeps in that place of you know right and wrong and good and evil and all of that but at the end of the day, this, okay, on a, on a cosmic level, if you look at the symbol of baptism, you know, I, I think I said last week, it's really about the human um, with the partnered with the divine being lowered into futility, holding its divine breath until the time of coming up and coming out of those waters and becoming enlightened, being fully human and then awakening, resurrecting, and coming out of those dense waters of being just base human, okay? But on a cosmic level, you look at that same symbolism and it is the divine seeding this environment and going through that immersion into darkness. It's the same, it's the same thing, it's the same cycle. And then coming up and coming out of that, of those waters of being, um, just dense human, you know, in the, in the dark ages. I mean, they would burn all these books about spiritual things because they, in the dark ages, they could not conceive of life beyond their five senses. They had no spiritual acumen at all. And that is what's being lowered into the waters of being a base human necessary. And see, this is what gets me, you know, the, the scriptures that say you have to be baptized to be saved. And look at how trite we make that. It's not about sprinkling with water or going underwater. It's about experiencing this cycle and the fullness of what it's like to be human. And it's necessary to accrue a helpmate for the divine to carry on in a physical material universe without this school of earth divinity cannot experience what it's like to be physical we are the helpmate it's us and so going through this cycle and learning all there is to learn the good the bad the ugly eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where lifetimes are limited mortality is upon us it's all necessary and it's purposeful and there is a, a time of awakening and coming up and coming out of those waters and in the great cycle we are beginning to experience that turn and come up does that resonate a hundred percent yeah sorry Sean, I'll go on. uh so is it all into the same thing as like the parallel universe kind of thing basically or is it completely something different the best way that I know how to describe this 
is that when you have celestial movement, night and day, seasons, great year, you are within the construct of time. When we are not within the construct of time, when we are sleeping or having out-of-body experiences, whatever you want to call it, then we're not in time. Mm -hmm. And there's a purpose for going out and wandering and experiencing things that are happening concurrently right now. But as humans, we are in the construct of time and are learning here. So as far as parallel universes and things like that, those things exist, you know, multiple dimensions exist, but I'm more concerned about how it applies to us. The Bible does talk about multi-dimensional, multi-dimensions and in the form of the disciples. We have 12 aspects of who we are. We have, you know, uh, uh, Matthew, who's, who's good with numbers. We have Judas who leads us up to death time and time again. You know, we have Peter who um, is kind of representative of the ego and he speaks out of turn a lot. And But all of the aspects, that's us. It doesn't happen. I mean, it can happen outside of us, but if we only see the external then we miss the internal realities of what these mysteries and other mysteries are trying to teach us so i'm not sure if i answered your question there i just know that those things exist but within the construct of time is when the gray year takes place right, does that help right. so, yeah because <clears throat> I've, I've had this sort of like um this perspective for a while now in, in that you know you hear the saying time is an illusion you know and, and um i think what that's alluding to is you know there is the, the eternity is a real place a real state of being whatever you want to refer to it as um and you know the, the the cosmic kind of clock that we're in you know i'm, I'm going to butcher it now but the bible verse that you know that, that god has assigned to us times and seasons um do you think there's a way to, how can I put it? Uh, I mean, what we're experiencing now is, um, I mean, everything that you're saying is making so much sense because this realm is is ruled by time. It is. Um, you know, if we are eternal beings, um, where, do, where do we fit into that? I mean, are we supposed to master this and learn these things in order to, do we cooperate with it? Do we... I don't want to say control it because that sounds egoistic, but um, like what's our role in this? I guess that's what I'm asking. What do you think is our role in this great cosmic sort of scene? I believe our role is to become adept co-creators of reality as God men. Right oh, now, <laughs> mo most, of us, most of us are sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um and it's the storms of life that cause us to awaken, just as in the example when Jesus was asleep in the boat or the Christ was asleep in the boat. And it's the storms that awaken us. So even the bad things that happen to us, um, there is no suffering in vain. Nothing happens to us without some kind of ultimate purpose. But I felt like you might be going somewhere with your questions. So I want to ask, I want to, I want to go here so as god men in training we begin to recognize our power and our authority as co-creators of reality that it's not up to some god to come and save me that it's right here mm -hmm. and the, the thing is is we're going collectively so the more that we collectively awaken the greater momentum we will build to the point where, you know, people say, well, if we're, if we've got, you know, another 9,000 or so years before we hit the golden ages, I mean, that's a long time. But what we do is we jump in and out of lives, happily completing the syllabus that we've set out for ourselves. Because every
to be co-creators of reality, to learn to use frequency and the frequency of emotions as we create requires us to experience all things. So in this lifetime, man, I am spoiled. I am, you know, we live a beautiful life on 32 acres with, you know, 11 grandkids and life is just beautiful. But I have glimpses of other lifetimes where things weren't so beautiful. And I have even in this lifetime experienced a lot of darkness and despair. And I think I only touched on this a little bit last conversation that we had, but you know, the story of Lazarus is not about a man who is a best friend of Jesus. Lazarus is us in a very mortal state. And Jesus, the Christ, and this is what we are learning to get back to your question, Craig, what we are learning is not to be pulled by our emotions. Right now, our ego and our emotions run this ship, okay? And we end up focusing on all manner of things, unaware that we're creating more of what we're focusing on and creating and sustaining the world as it is. But we're beginning to awaken and to understand that whatever we focus on and we are applying the emotional value to meet that thought, we are creating. So Jesus, the Christ, was not moved by his emotions when they said, come, your, your best friend, your brother, your um, the one closest to you is dying. And if you don't get here, he's, he's yeah. and they continually bugged him. It took him four days to walk two miles. When he gets there, we know the story. He's dead. He's in the grave. He stinks. You know, Mary and Martha, where were you? If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And you know what the Christ said was, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. So what did Jesus call upon when he had the, the, the stone rolled away? What did he do? I mean, seriously, what did he do? Did, he, called him did out. he did he say a nice little prayer? No. He groaned deeply in his spirit. He moved something in his energetic body. And it was a deep guttural groan. So he wasn't moved by his emotions, come quickly, come quickly, your friend's dying, come quickly, up too late, he's dead. You can understand, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have a different way to say it, I guess. Cause I, when you say he wasn't moved by his emotions, I, I think he had emotions. Anytime there was a miracle, he said that, it says that Jesus had compassion and then there was a miracle. Miracles preceded and followed his compassion. I, exactly. I, agree with, I agree with you in some ways that he wasn't moved by the other people's emotions, but I don't, I can't agree that he doesn't have any emotions or that he wasn't moved by his own emotions because I think the very moving of his emotions is what caused the miracle. That's just my opinion. Well, no, that's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. But in this story, Jesus didn't get the message and say, holy cow, I've got to go. Get out of my way. I've got to get to, you know. No. For the purposes of learning, he took his time. And he got there in four days, what should have taken maybe two hours. And he gets there. But then for the purposes of teaching us, he groans loudly in his spirit and weeps. Then he says this, he says, for those here, I'm gonna say this out loud so that you understand, so that they, Father, understand what just took place between you and I. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. 
you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. So in the form of this groan, again, Jesus was not moved by his emotions to get there in an expedient manner. He wasn't worried because he knew in the example that Lazarus was going to have to pass away in order to demonstrate the power of I am. So he wasn't moved by human urgency, but when he got there, he moved his very human emotions and raised Lazarus from the dead. And it wasn't done with words. It was done with frequency. So this is our lesson that not only are we the Christ, but we're Lazarus who is sitting here in a mortal state. If I cut myself right now, I will bleed. <laughs> if I go out and walk in front of a car, I may die if it hits me. But the point is where we are going collectively is resurrection, is ascension is a place where those emotions that you talk about, Charnel, are vital for us to express and to learn, but not by the ego. The ego is what goes to the cross and experiences crucifixion. and says, I willingly lay my life down so that I can, like Christ, only do what I see my father do. Not what Barbara the human does when I get upset at things, but I kind of put that in check and express those emotions when it's appropriate rather than being yanked like a puppet you know on a string we learn the power and the potency of our emotions which is a component of creation that is unlike any other creation you know our dna was tweaked probably between two and three hundred years ago which gave us emotions that separated us from primates that's another fascinating fascinating topic all, all in its in its own but does did i explain that better this time i think so i think there's still a little bit of just not agreeing but that's okay like uh for me emotions are very powerful and they're they're god-given and i think what i've experienced in the church is especially by some really high level like TV evangelists of not to pay attention to your feelings or your emotions because they change all the time. And I think that's very dangerous in my field as a naturopath. Mm -hmm. If people are not expressing and or feeling their feelings and moving them out in a very healthy way, then they tend to get lodged in the body and then they get sick. So, um, expressing yourself and having those emotions in a very healthy way is super important and the very thing that creates because our heart is more magnetic than our thoughts or our words uh, and, you know we have that biofield that not only goes out in radiation but also comes back in a magnet and so if we feel sad or down or whatever then we will create more uh, and magnetize more to us. And so it's, to me, it's about being sovereign and not letting anyone else entice you into their, uh, storyline, unless you actually feel like you're supposed to and, or express that. Um, but we can be dragged in and, and, or enticed into drama or anger, or, you know, you fill in the blank, sadness, grief, you know, um, they say the five, people that you hang around with the most is who you're going to kind of pick up their stuff. So I think Christ and following Christ and, or remembering that Christ is in our very cells is key. And even this week, um, I had somebody who, uh, we were discussing frequency and a device that we use in our practice. And, um, the guy, basically was like questioning using the device and and saying different things like well the lord you know the lord does all these things you know we shouldn't be using all of this stuff and why do we need all these tools and what have you and it's just like because god gave us all kinds of things plants and animals and food and 
all the things like why not use all the things and his re response um because i said you know he asked about how long do you use the device and um you know 20 minutes or 30 minutes and that there was some confusion over if he was going to actually participate like how long would it and i said well listen to your body you know muscle test and he said why would i listen to my body when my body is in a the bible says my body is in a down in a fallen state he said if i listen to my body i would be 300 pounds i said no i'm not talking about listen to the head and your brain those voices that could be all kinds of voices like eat chocolate have that have some ice cream blah blah, blah. I'm, not, I'm talking about muscle testing which is your subconscious which is what's really good for you and that is not necessarily what we're thinking or what we're talking about so anyway all that being said i think there's a lot of weird things taught within that you know and he went on and on about how fallen we are and if uh, if i didn't know that then i needed to read my bible and got in a big argument with me and stuff and i was just like come on dude you know what is a really good thing to say when we participate in taking medicine um through pharmacology through plants through holistic methods, um, through diet. Um, you know, Christ said today and tomorrow, I do cures, but on the third day I'm perfected. So there are certain things that must play out in time. <clears throat> and so is he right? He, yeah. Are you right? Yeah. It's just that certain things play out in time. And there is a place for healing. There is a place for healing of the emotions. Let me give you an example real quick. Um, I was down at my boys' workshop, and they repair uh, garage doors, and they hang commercial doors. And, and they, were, they were hanging something at, at, at the, the ceiling of the shop, and one of my sons... Um, was standing on top of a 12 foot ladder on the second rung from the top. And I mean, Craig, you know, how, <laughs> Charnel, you know how tall that is. And it was very precarious. And as I was watching, I could feel something begin to happen in my solar plexus. I could feel that energy begin to move. And it was fear. And I also knew that my son was going to do whatever he was going to do, that I could not stop him. I removed myself from the shop and I went outside and I purposefully redirected my thinking because I know what a powerful creator I am. So in the same way, we are beginning to wake up and be healed with the cures that are available to us. But once we recognize what powerful creators we are with the use of emotion, we will stop letting it spill out over and over and over again, creating the very situations that brought us so much pain and hurt to begin with. So to me, not being egocentrically led is the symbol of the cross. It's dying the death, but resurrecting that egocentric nature as a servant to the divine, just uh -huh. like Christ did when he said, you know, okay, what I'm going to do, what I'm doing now, I'm thanking the Father and I'm saying it out loud because it is a, a an exchange between the creative component of what's inside of every human being to raise this body from the dead. So emotions are vital and to heal our emotions so that we stop in our wounded state, creating the thing that we do not want. So that's the whole, that's the whole point of, of mastering um, being human and stepping into something that is not human. It's divine. Right. I, I think emotions and the mind are so key related 
you know, because it says have the mind of Christ, right? It does say have the mind of Christ. If we had the mind of Christ and we were thinking about the positive things that are going on instead of the negative things, not that Christ never had a negative thought, um, but that's, that's really key to me because again, we could be manifesting by default, by accident, like all the time. And I just shared this with a friend, but my daughter, <laughs> this mm. is a funny story. Uh, my daughter is in the tattoo, d does tattoos. And she was getting to where she was like, not liking it as much anymore. And she had like several people who kept making appointments with her. And then she would call me the night before and be like, oh my gosh, I have seven appointments tomorrow. I'm already tired just thinking about it, blah, 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 blah. The next day she went in and every single person canceled like the whole day. And this happened a couple times where she would literally her emotions of not wanting to do it canceled the appointments. And because honestly, in her heart, she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, the similar thing is she kept talking about wanting to have a black cat. She wanted a black kitten and she even went online and found a shelter that one popped up. And so she like bookmarked it and even sent in uh, an inquiry about it. And they said, oh, it won't be ready until the 21st. It's too little, but we'll put you on the list or whatever. So meanwhile, she had kept calling me every day about this wanting a kitten, wanting a kitten. She goes out with her son to go grab a couple things, running errands. And she goes by the Dollar General and she finds this little kitten over there like this big. And she calls me immediately and she's like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. This little kitten is out there. It's not black. She goes, I guess I wasn't specific in my talking or thinking about it, but she gets this little kitten and she, she was like, but I'm just going to foster it because I don't think my husband's going to let me keep it, you know, cause we're talking about a black one and da, 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 da. So she keeps it. She puts it up all over the internet. All the people fall through. Nobody ends up getting this cat. She's holding it, holding it. She calls the vet. And tries to get prices in case she wants to keep it. I promise this is a good story. But um, it ended up being like $600 to like get this cat shots and chip and the deworming and everything. So she ends up calling the shelter, one of the local shelter, a couple shelters and saying, hey, would you just take this cat? And we found it and blah, blah, blah. Well, the person called her back and said, hey, you know, what's going on? You found the cat. What's what's up? And they said, you know, she said the whole story. And the lady was like, well, would you just want to keep it? And she was like, well, I would, but I've called all these places and it's like $600 and la, la, la. And they said, well, what if we put the cat in our program and we just, you, you adopt it from us, but we only charge you 200 for the adoption fee and we'll cover all the shots, all the pet, everything, the worming and everything. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting to keep the cat. And it's only $200. I'm, I'm manifesting. So she goes up there the first day to get, to bring the cat in for its first set of shots and deworming. She comes home and she just opens the kennel to let them out. And at the corner of her eye, she sees a black cat in the house. And I was like, so she calls me freaking out because she goes in the kennel and looks in and the other cat is in there. But now a black cat is also in there. So she, she's freaking out. She's like, Oh my God, how did I get two cats? Like, what is going on? Where did this other black cat come from? It happened to be a, a black cat, little kitten. So she called the shelter. She hangs up with me. She's about to call the shelter. The shelter called her while she's calling the shelter. And she thinks that they're calling to say, Hey, did you pick up another cat by accident? The lady's like, I just wanted to call and let you know, you left your worm medicine on the table. Um, did you want to come back and get it? Or, you know, we could put it up for you. And she's like, I got one better for you. I have an extra cat here that I think maybe, you know, came home with me or whatever. And they said, well, what's the number on the collar? She reads off the number of the collar and they type it in the computer. It's the same cat that she had inquired about weeks before his name was Tempe or whatever. And it was grown, but literally she manifested this other cat to come home with her. And she's like, oh my God, mom. Am I going to keep both cats now? What am I doing? So like that wasn't, that was all by default. That That's wasn't that was just her just living her life, having her feelings, but you know, so keeping all those things in chat and having the mind of Christ and being really um, on purpose with what we feel, what we think about, what we're talking about, who we're talking about it with, you know, cause 
we could create a bunch of dumb stuff like all the time by accident and just keep getting assholes and bad situations and what have you. Or we can be like Christ and just say, Lazarus, rise and like bring people out of the hospitals, out of whatever situation, bring ourselves, right, raise ourselves with our own words. And, you know, so that's just my two cents of the cat story. Sandra, Sandra's like cat that's story. That's a good story. <laughs> that's a it's whole good. new uh, definition for crazy cat lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I just wanted to interject that, uh, you know, as, as you've been talking, um, something that was really um, sort of vital for me in my kind of, I don't know, journey, I guess, um, is becoming the observer of your emotions. So actively taking this um, position of looking from outside, which is within, into your energetic system, your, your emotional system, and and looking at it from a place of neutrality, like, why am I feeling those feelings? Why am I having these feelings? Why, you know, what's going on? And and when you do that, I realize it's, it, you're tapping into the spirit world, the spirit dimension, um, or you're real, not tapping in, you are positioning you yourself mentally in your real state of being, which is in, you know, the spiritual being. Um, and, and when I started doing that, you know, you can literally pinpoint you know there's, there's an area there that needs attention that needs that to happen and and i mean you know that's when i looked into frequencies and you know I'd, i would put frequencies on that that hit that particular part of my you know your, your, your energy system um and and kind of self-healed a lot of stuff really and, and it opened those things up so there's very very practical things we can do um in, in this world and to kind of bring it just kind of full circle um I genuinely, you know, my opinion is is what's happening is sort of cosmically and, and you know, the things that are going on, um, it is forcing this knowledge out from within us. So, you know, people having emotional issues come up like, where's this come from? You know, it, it it's literally like a, how do you call them, in, do you call them a, a, a geyser or a geezer in America? Like it's washing things up and it's like, it's, but, uh, do you call them a geezer, a geyser? Geyser, yeah. Geyser, geyser, okay. A geezer in, in, in the UK is like a, a dodgy bloke. Anyway, um, but yeah, a geyser. Um, <laughs> a geyser. Anyway, um, yeah, so a geyser, we'll, we'll, you know, when the water's about to rush out from the earth, it actually pushes all the mud out first, and then all that goes splur, and then the water comes up. And I think energetically, men, you know, I think people all over the world, whether they realize it or not, are having this this experience, and, and it's causing chaos <laughs> if anyone's noticed you know things really are chaotic um at the moment and and you know i i am as kind of susceptible as anybody to kind of observing things outside of myself and taking it in you know i get i do get wound up by stuff that i see and you know i do um and uh i just think have you, have you got any kind of practical tips things you can do that like, as this kind of we're collectively going through this process a how long, much longer is it going to be? <laughs> I mean, we're talking 24,000 years. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, does it, you know? Um, sort of any practical things that you've come up with where you can sort of help process and, um, you know, get out, not get out of it, because we're not seeking out of it, but through it, you know, how do we grow in it? Well, you had mentioned something about getting uh, wound up. You know, what does it feel like in a, in a, in a, standard transmission when you are really winding out first gear and you're really winding it out i mean there's something inside of us that can feel the tension in the transmission and we can hear the 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 winding out of the motor and intuitively we we step on the clutch and shift gears in the same way that's what's happening to us is all of humanity is experiencing this winding out, this, this period of time that, that happens right before we shift. And so for me, to answer your question, it helps me to put the clutch in all the time. Because without being in neutral, you can't 
shift to the next highest year. And so when I get upset, and I do, when I am getting to the point of exasperation um, and frustration, and I do, as we all do, I'm learning just to put the clutch in. And also the other example that I use is, is if, if you know anyone that uh, weaves with a loom, there's this piece of the loom that's called the shuttle that goes in between the, the strings and it weaves. And when you pull back that battening arm really, you know, puts that uh, pressure and tension on the fabric. So if I'm wanting to transition the age in myself, if I'm wanting to help humanity, then I not only have to push the clutch in on own emotional creating, um, but I'm also going to stop threading that reality loom with consciousness that is going to keep us pinned to this dimension. So my judgments have to stop. Now, there is an appropriate time for everything under the sun, and certainly using judgment has been paramount to where we're going. But I feel there's a, there's a question that I ask people, are you called to work with what's breaking down or are you called to work with what's breaking through? And what's breaking through is a new consciousness. So the only way that I know how to stop the old consciousness is to practice being neutral. So I become the observer. I will look at a circumstance, you know, just being a little uh, raw here, but my grandson on March 7th of this year, uh, gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger and was killed 250 yards from our home on our property. Wow. And as sad as it is, and I mean, we grieved, we grieved, but I hear from him and I go and sit in the cove where he pulled the trigger. And this is what he said. And I just would sit there and I would weep. But he said this to me, grandma, if you want to change this land and what happened here, then you are going to have to stop feeling the despair and the sorrow. You are going to have to make yourself look away from the despair and focus on the joyful being that I am now. And so that is a conscious effort to look away from the things that are so dark and so full of despair and to begin to create the path and the pattern of what it is that I want to see. And in this awakening, and this is where I thought you were going earlier, um, Craig, you know, what are we to do with this information if it's a 24,000 year cycle? Well, we know that the golden age is, is gold and then the treta is silver and then there's uh, bronze and then there's iron. We know enough about alchemy to know that we can change these dreadful, horrible, dense, dark periods of time to light. Right. Right. So collectively, if we enlist some of the technologies that are available in the higher ages, if we begin to enlist some of those technologies, internal technologies now, mm -hmm. I know that we can create alchemy of our own. And had times not been sped up in those days, we know that it is a dynamic that is possible, but not if we remain in the mindset that we are in today. We must continue to stretch and continue to expand that wineskin, continue to, to get to the point of winding out those gears till they can't go anymore right. and shifting into neutral and letting this change and this shift happen organically. But we are the creators of our reality. <clears throat> and if we continue to think the way that we think, we're going to get what we got. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. That's terrible, terrible, terrible. And it's like such a helpless feeling to see when that kind of stuff happens. And it's 
Like, what do you do? But there seems to be a lot of people who are making those choices right now, unfortunately. Um, going back to whenever you were physically moving your head to look and, and just the message that you got, um, St. Germain actually says, if you are aware of anything, any single thing less than love, you cannot know God. And it's like, wow, like, so anytime we put our focus on anything that isn't God, it's, it's basically agreeing not to know God because God, but God isn't everything. And so it's like, okay, just, um, sorting through that. But that has really trained me as much as possible to keep my mind in that on purpose thought process of making sure I'm picking what I'm thinking about instead of just going by default, you know, several times this week, I've caught myself just in a stare and my mom or whoever's like, what are you looking at? And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I had realized I completely had left and was thinking about 99 other things, but I'm just, I'm there and people are all around me, but I'm, I've left and went somewhere else. And so um, staying present in the moment you know, picking my thoughts, being on purpose, being an authentic, deliberate creator instead of a default kind of, you know, accidental behavior um, creator. Uh, and I talk about all of this in the book, in my book too, in my in my last book is, you know, the word discipline um, comes from disciple, meaning like there are some things that we have to choose or we get to choose and remember that um, being on purpose with those things instead of just letting them slide through. And then that's not even mentioning uh, voice to God tech and all the things that they're pumping in the air to help people, you know, maybe think that it's their own voice or God's voice or what they're supposed to be doing, you know, instead of it takes someone extremely aware and awake of like sifting through all of those thoughts to say like, is this God? Is this me? Is this them? Is that, you know, because the feelings will follow whatever the thoughts are in, in my experience. So the, the closer we can be to really cast down all imaginations that do not line up with Christ, you know, that that's for real, you know, call those things that are not as though they are, that's for real, you know, focusing on the things that we do choose instead of the things that we don't choose. Exactly. And there's a, there's a principle at work here. And the principle is the principle of the tithe. And that is that approximately 10% has been given to the priesthood that will help usher in the next age, that will help build the bridge vibrationally speaking. They are the tithe given from the loins of Abraham or Abram to Melchizedek. And that priesthood is what bridges the gap between the dimensions. That priesthood is one that will stand in that gap and say, I'm not going to be moved and manipulated by my ego based on what's happening around me. I will step into that power and I will create a way for others to follow. It's not that they're unique or special, each man in his own order, but Melchizedek has been given 10% of the population of the planet to bring this about and it cannot fail. It cannot fail. There's a principle of the, of the 10% that um, Rensselaer Polytech did a study and it wasn't a spiritual study, but they took a group of a hundred people and they pollinated 10 people with an idea. And those 10 people were to go out and to help convince the others. And they got to the point where um, 8% didn't work, 9% didn't work. It was 10% that was able to shift the consciousness of the whole. Not 8%, not 9%, but 10%. And this is the principle of the tithe. And it's the symbolism of of what we have been given to do in the earth. Love it. And we cannot fail. Awesome. <laughs> well, where can we find you? Um, 
talent <laughs> your website all the things and i mean gosh this has flown by again here but just for the people watching your website your books all the things give a quick blurb out for us um two books i'll give pdfs to anybody that sends me a message um two books the first one escaping christianity finding christ talks about the damage system of christianity not not jesus not christ but understanding how we've been manipulated by power and by greed through the system uh second musings of an ex-christian fundamentalist just a whole lot of what we've talked about today various articles i'm very active on facebook and i will be giving my first workshop on october 7th in person in milwaukee my hometown come full circle in my hometown where i was born um mm -hmm. The best way is Facebook. Just connect with me there. Awesome. Yay. Brilliant. All right, Craig. <clears throat> uh, yeah, again, Facebook, Craig Martin Walker. Is that, that account, because I keep getting loads of friend requests. I have two accounts. One I use for other things now. Um, but yeah, the Craig Martin Walker account, uh, I'm on there. Um, I'm on, uh, I have a YouTube channel of sort of ethereal meditation music craig w ascension meditation i'm in a band called nth ascension if you want to check us out um yeah just just i like to connect with people um lots going on at the minute <laughs> seems to be super busy at the moment um but uh, i mean i just I, I love these conversations i mean i'm probably gonna have to listen, listen to this one again because we've, we've covered a lot of material there and this whole great year i find absolutely fascinating and sort of the cosmic seen and how the effect is having on, on our consciousness and on humanity as a whole it's massive it's a huge it's a really really exciting time to be alive and i think <clears throat> you know there's nothing to be afraid of uh, where we're going um you know we're letting go go of the old certainly i am on a daily basis um and we're kind of choosing to to build the new and, and align with the new that's coming out and it's really is going to be like a heaven on earth uh, civilization that we're here to create and and you know everyone's involved there's no superstars here everyone needs to be involved with this so i guess that's what this is about and uh like i say i like to meet new people and, and talk and see where people are at so yeah connect with me on social media it's great awesome and i am at drcharnel.com i have my resources books online classes lots of different birthday specials going on this month so definitely check that out and then next week we have a lady named Dr. Fing who is on the show. She's going to talk about breast implant illness, which is quite a topic for sure. So um, you guys, I'm not on that one. you're not on that one. Yeah. We're not going to talk about your boobs, bro. But oh, okay. Maybe another time, but, um, okay. but love you guys. Thanks for showing up. I want to give a shout out to all of our members that are here today. Um, very, very much appreciate your support to help us keep going. Sandra Malcolm is here. Um, I know I saw Jody's a new member. Thank you very much for not only the one-time gifts that we can get, um, but also your monthly support. It only takes $4.99 and we give away a free bio scan and consultation monthly. We have monthly meetings where we meet in person on Zoom. Well, I say in person, face-to-face uh, -face in Zoom. And uh, we bring in a lot of extra content as well as teachings for those of you who are members. We just want to do some fun things for you guys. So thank you for your help and your support. And definitely do your due diligence. Share this. Get it out. Help us with the algorithm. Get on the newsletter. Love you guys. And we will see you next week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.